Treason, Sedition, Rebellion. This is the heritage of the American patriot. Those revolutionaries who stood on principle to fight against tyranny no matter the cost. And that spirit lives strong today in the activists and freedom fighters who fight against the authoritarian state. Each in their own way, each with their own mission, united for the cause. had the idea to run on a platform of fuck the police prior to actually winning the primary. I mean, AOC is a drama queen and she's full of shit. They said, you don't get to tell us no, we're in the state health department, and I said, hell no. You brought a freaking guillotine. People already pushing back in ways that didn't even need any votes to be cast. I'm not ratting on anybody, and I did what I did, so you're going to have to give me what the law says you have to give me. You want to make the world a better place? Have some babies, and raise them to not be stupid. Hope I don't get canceled. Talk to you. These are the people whose stories I'm here to share. I'm Justin O'Donnell, and this is Submersive. Man, governments are not going to like this shit. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, activists, anarchists, and people of the internet, thank you for tuning in to Subversive 66. As always, I'm your host, Justin O'Donnell. And before we get started, just remember whatever platform you listen on, YouTube Live, Odyssey, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or on the radio, LRN.FM, you can help grow the show by liking, commenting, subscribing, and sharing with your friends. And if you enjoy the content, you can join our production team by visiting patreon.com slash o'donnell that's patreon.com slash o'donnell o-d-o-n-n-e-l-l and make sure to check out our sponsor snackswag.com for all your favorite official subversive podcast merch including some brand new designs for t-shirts hoodies patches coffee mugs and more again that's over at snackswag.com where you can wear your favorite liberty messaging literally on your sleeves and if you want to keep in touch between shows, make sure to follow me on social media. Join our community Discord channel where you can chat with other fans about the show at any time. And all these links can be found in the description of the podcast or video that you're watching or listening to. So make sure you check them out today. Now, not a day goes by without a story of corruption, crime, or cowardice coming out of the political theater that is New York. The center of the American media apparatus, and with a strong claim to being the cultural capital of North America under its accolades, New York really should be the shining example of American exceptionalism for the rest of the world when they look upon us. And in a way, it is. But that exceptionalism is one of insider politics, putting party ahead of principle and position ahead of people. Well, not everyone in New York is a fan of that status quo. And finally, some people are waking up and willing to stand up and and demand a change. And returning to the show tonight, the one and only Larry Sharp, to talk about how he plans to move New York forward when they seem dead set on stepping backwards with every chap. Larry, how are you? Welcome back. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm glad you uh, were able to have me on. I appreciate it. Yes. Sadly, you are right. (laughs) New York is always having some kind of problem or issue or something. Right. Yes, sadly. and, And like, what seems to be the root of it? Like, the the center of the world, New York City, can almost make a claim to be the cultural center of the world. Nothing goes through like every cultural phenomenon, uh, whether it's music, art, theater, film, goes through New York before it gets to the rest of the world. So how does it become such a corrupt and backwards political environment? Yeah, what people don't realize is when you are a cultural center like New York City is, it affects yep. the rest of the state, right? People think of New York as being super progressive. And in theory, many of the people here are. But in practice, New York is actually, when it comes to the, the old school, it's very much authoritarian. It's very much old school in that we, we're not called the empire state for nothing, right? <laughs> I mean, we really are that yeah. way. We like old money, right? We like bankers. We like banking, old family, all those things. All the cultural icons and all the cultural things are all backed by old money and old family money. Think about things about New York. The, um, you know, we, we pushed out Bitcoin. We we pushed out uh, cannabis. We just barely getting cannabis, um, you know, put together. And that's still a disaster. All we always do in New York is we support the very wealthy and the black market. We're very good at supporting those two. So but that's how we work. But I'm a, a huge fan there. of the black market, though. Like the black market is one of my favorite markets, personally, as an agorist and as an anarchist. I think that's the best market to support. So what's so wrong with supporting the black market in New York? Because the black market in New York equals crime. That's why, right? That's the reason. It equals violence. It equals pain. That's what it equals. I'm with you. You think I want the government looking over everything? Of course not. But how would actually Remember, New York City's police force is 40,000 cops. 
It's like it's 10, it's 40,000 cops. We are a massive police force. And, so this, and, and that's just regular cops. I'm not even including other uh, the other enforcers we have in the city. We have tons of them. The state, the state isn't as bad, but some of the cities upstate are. People always say it's New York City versus the rest of the state. Well, New York City is very blue, obviously, but so is Rochester and Albany and Buffalo and every other city upstate. So it's all the cities are kind of against all of the rural areas. Yeah. So and, and the last piece I'll bring up is we are now a one-party state, <laughs> right? Was it ever different? Yes, it was. There was a chance. There was a, there was a time when a Republican candidate had a chance to win statewide. You go back to the 90s, right, 80s. You found that that was a thing, that Republicans could win in New York State. But Republicans haven't won a statewide election in New York State in 20 years. And the cool. state's getting bluer. Right now, New York State's about three to one Democrat to Republican. There's no chance for a Republican to win in a statewide election at all. They haven't won anything. Well, we used to ask a question. I grew up in Massachusetts myself, and mm -hmm. uh, we always refer to Massachusetts as a one-party state, even though yep. they continuously elect Republicans to statewide offices. And we, we continually refer to them as a one-party state because what's the difference uh, between the Republicans and the Democrats in that state and in that system? And I've never lived in New York, never lived under New York rule, but when I lived under Massachusetts law, Massachusetts rule, it was one of our Republican governors who came up with the idea for Obamacare. It was yeah. one of our Republican governors who passed the most sweeping uh, and controlling assault weapons ban in history. It was one of our Republican governors uh, that enshrined the income tax as into the Constitution instead of just as a legislative proposal. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll rock your world in this one. Don't forget... Michael Bloomberg was New York City's Republican governor, uh, Republican mayor. Right. Yes. So I, I get what you're saying, <laughs> but New York State's done something that Massachusetts hasn't done. We've made it official. Oof. Okay. We've made it official. It is just a one-party state now. Republicans, not even rhinos win anymore. Now, don't get me wrong. Locally, Republicans do win locally. If you look at New York State as a whole, side by size, New York State's more red than it is blue. It's just the urban centers are so deeply blue that it controls the rest of the state. So I think what you find in New York state is that we are, we, it's a one party state. And, and why that's so bad is at least if you're in Massachusetts and some Democrat is corrupt, you can say, well, I'll vote Republican or some Republican is corrupt. Well, I'll vote Democrat, right? At least you have an option. There can be some form of competition in New York state. There is none. Our last, what, four governors, lieutenant governors and, I mean, have either gone to jail, gone away in disgrace, whatever the case may be, right? They're all like going away. She was it Scheinman? Um, uh, I think there was a joke. The Cuomo. last, the last New York governor to not get in trouble for sexual harassment or some kind of fraud or corruption or crime of some sort was blind. <laughs> no, he was indicted. <laughs> was he too? Okay, he was so indicted. Yes, old. he was also yes. The, the, yes, even he was indicted. So yes, that's that's a Patterson. Even even yeah. he was indicted. So yes, so they were all indicted on something, right? It's just the way it works. Cuomo was actually indicted, but then didn't serve didn't serve anything. Didn't go to jail or anything like that. Um, Patterson was also indicted. Spitzer was also indicted. Um, Scheinman was also indicted. And now um, Benjamin, our lieutenant governor, Benjamin, now indicted. And they're all Democrats, and it doesn't matter. You know who's going to win the uh, the governorship? Either me or a Democrat. It's the same thing. It hasn't changed. So that's the idea of one party. So at least in Massachusetts, you got some kind of choice of, you know, dumber, dumber. We got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing. Yes. Hey, well, I mean, how much of this is due to the, just New York being what a state shouldn't be? Like the the reality is like you look at New York and I often make the joke that um, as a secessionist and somebody who supported uh, the articles of secession that were just put into the New Hampshire State House and I thought the people deserved to vote on that and that was something that we should at least have a conversation about at this point in history because the culturally the United States is not a country culturally the United States is a hegemonist empire that's oppressing a thousand different cultures like new hampshire and california should not be the same country and should not have the same president new hampshire and new york shouldn't be the same country and have the same president because our cultures are just so different why should buffalo and new york city be even in the same state um well buffalo and new york city are actually very similar um they're both cities but what i would say is i disagree with what you're saying i don't think it's required the problem is if you had 
a federal government that wasn't so oppressive, it wouldn't matter, right? It shouldn't matter. What I say about New York State, New York State's a very diverse state, and people upstate are angry at what's happening in New York City. Why? Because it controls them. Right. If it didn't control them, they wouldn't care. If the if the actual in my perfect New York State government world, the governor and the state government is much more like a fire department. You call them when you need them, right? I'm in trouble. And what the what the state would do in theory is protect the individual from local corruption. That would be awesome. You'd have a bunch of local people running their own things. And then when the local bad guy, and there's always a local bad guy, tries to take away your rights or use eminent domain to take your house or whatever's the thing he's trying to do, then the state comes in and protects your rights against the local bad guy. If we were doing that, you would love New York State. You'd love your state government. You would well, think the state is the greatest thing in the world if you thought that was their job. It, we it, should move towards that. Maybe a, even a night watchman state or a protectionist state like in, in New York might get too big because it seems like the Democrats have just created a farm team of corruption. Correct. Yes. What I just told you, yeah. <laughs> we're nowhere near that. I'm just right. saying that I think you could have a state that wouldn't have to care about whether people are different or not if the state if the state government's job was to protect the individual from local corruption. If that was its job, I do think more people would be like, I'm happy to be in New York State. What do I care? Right? I only call the governor when some local guy's trying to take my my farm. Then I call the governor. Otherwise, the governor's over there in Albany doing his thing. Now, the lieutenant governor was just arrested, just indicted. He resigned immediately upon uh, the indictment and the arrestment. So I don't think yep. they technically arrested the lieutenant governor. They arrested the former lieutenant governor. What was uh, he okay. actually charged with? Um, hold on. Fraud and uh, falsification of services, and is it falsification of, of documents, I think. Something like those three. But, of course, they added two important things. Wire fraud. Now, for those who don't know, wire fraud is a completely bogus crime. It's not really a crime. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, officially it's a crime, but it's not a crime. Uh, wire fraud means I want the feds to be involved. That's yep. what wire fraud means. And those who don't know what that actually means, wire fraud basically means that in some way, shape, or form, it went across states. And how the feds use it now will blow your mind. So whatever he did right now, or, or supposedly allegedly did, was all done in New York State. And bribery is a crime in New York State. There is no need for the feds to be involved in this. This can be just right. be a state crime, right? Here's the problem. He is on the ballot, or was on the ballot, along with our governor and our AG. Who should be prosecuting him? Well, maybe mm. she doesn't want to prosecute him. So they want to bring the feds in. So what do they do? They say, wait a minute. Did he use his phone at all? Did he text somebody to commit this crime? Did he pick up the phone to call someone? I'm not joking. So if I'm going to bribe you, Justin, I got to tell you I'm going to bribe you somehow. So either I call you up and say, hey, Justin, can I bribe you? Or I text you and say, hey, can we meet talking about bribing? Or I do something like that. And what they say is, well, when he texted or called, there is a chance that that signal bounced off of a tower that was in another state. <laughs> because there's a chance that happened, that is officially wire fraud. And therefore, the feds can come in. If they don't make a wire for, for, fraud claim, the feds can't come in. Do so you think it'd be simpler to anything. just appoint a special counsel to prosecute the case? Well, you're assuming they're going to prosecute him. They may not. Oh. Well, I, if they've gone through the See, trouble of the often indictment... what they do is they want to get rid of people, so they indict yeah. them. Most of them don't even go to trial, don't serve any time. Cuomo got indicted, he didn't serve any time, neither did Spitzer. So they indict them. Should. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> they indict them, they step down, they walk away. That's what happens all the time. So their punishment is you got to walk away in shame and get a CNN TV show or something. And unfortunately, that's punishment. Uh, unfortunately. It, it, it almost feels like anytime something big happens in the political arena in New York, anytime where there is something like this that comes to light, corruption, there's another controversy or scandal or tragedy that happens near simultaneously to distract from it. And people like people have already forgotten about it. And when I went to work today, my boss and people in the office were talking about the shooting 
in the subway and what happened to the yep. shooting in the subway and then one person in the office was like yeah but didn't you hear the governor got arrested <laughs> like <laughs> right, like right, what right, the right. hell guys like but it right. was completely overblown because the headlines on twitter read lieutenant governor indicted for corruption and fraud then two miles of subway shooting where no one was killed right Right. Like, and yes. I, I see the conspiracy theories everywhere right now. How does this? I how, know. How does a mass shooter uh, shoot up an entire subway and nobody dies? Well, I can explain it though, and I explained yeah. it. I did a, I did an Instagram live that day to yeah. explain what happened. And what happened was the guy is untrained, and I didn't know. I, I didn't know that, but I knew that. I said the problem is the guy is untrained. And what happened was, if you were trained in the military, you're trained how to shoot with a gas mask on, right? I know to raise the weapon to my. To my to my uh, uh my eyes and to, and to still be able to shoot, I know how to deal with that with a gas mask on. I've been trained that with my seven years in the Marine Corps. I still could do it. He was untrained, so when there was gas in the gas mask, he fired from the hip. Firing from the hip, you tend to fire low, so that's why he hit legs and why it hit feet and legs the whole time because he fired low. People also don't know that in urban combat, you have a problem. Ricochets. Yes. If you're out in the woods. Your rounds going to the ground or going to the wood. But if you're into in the urban areas, they ricochet. That's why there were shrapnel pieces everywhere from hitting metal and plastic. The bullets were ricocheting and such. And that's why people ricocheted off, hit him in the leg, hit him in the foot. That's why he was uh, he shot so poorly. And it, it, it's just the conspiracy theories will be abound forever. Tinfoil yes. will never go out of fashion, unfortunately. 100%. But the um, other thing is, but- why did he leave his bag? He left his bag there, which means he was scared and panicked and ran. And when he left his bag, the keys to the U-Haul were there. Right. That's how they found him. And then they still couldn't find him. He called in himself, by the way. That's how they caught him today. Oh, that I did not hear. That's yeah, amazing. he called in. He said, I'm at the McDonald's. Come get me. That's what he said. So they God. went to the McDonald's. He wasn't there. He was out in the street waiting for him. He's waiting for him in the corner. They went to the McDonald's. He was on the corner waiting for him. So he surrendered. Uh, he almost got away with it. Correct. <laughs> yes. Oh, and that's the do- scary part for me. The scary part for me is if that guy was actually a bit savvier and trained, he gets in, throws smoke, kills 10 people, and escapes in the smoke, and no one finds him. That's my worry. That that could happen, right? The New York City's police force, with the 10th largest standing army on the planet, can't find him. Well, they might. They probably would eventually found him, right? This is the issue. Police forces in general, when it's gangbanger violence, most of those crimes don't actually don't get solved, because most of the cops don't actually care. They don't get solved. Most, the majority of those don't actually get solved. But when it comes to popular stuff like this, oh my God, they get solved. They will put every <laughs> single cop, every detective on this, like there's no tomorrow. And unless you are, you know, somehow complete, someone savvy, you're gonna get caught because you're gonna make a mistake. And he did. He made mistakes and he got caught. That's how it usually works. I I just I remember all the way back to the Boston Marathon bombing and like the gross display of police incompetence that was the immediate investigation afterwards from when we locked down the city. And um, I've told the story before. It's it's a weird connection for me. I was the National Guard non-commissioned officer in charge of the 181st Infantry Battalion's security detachment for the Boston Marathon that year. Wow. Supposed to be. Yeah, it was supposed to be just a nice little eight hour domestic security mission, get relaxed, get paid, go home, do your thing. Four days later, I got home. But, <laughs> right, sure, sure. sure. Uh, but, uh, and, and I remember it, I was only in that position because nobody who outranked me volunteered. Um, I, I wasn't of rank to have held that position. And had there been anyone who outranked me on site, it wouldn't have been me. And so I just remember at one point I'm sitting there and a Boston police captain dragging me into the command circle. I'm like, oh, Fuck me. Like, <laughs> right. I was like 23. I'm like, this isn't a good idea. Like, right. Um, but like they went door to door searching for this kid in Watertown, Massachusetts, with half of Boston PD, half the state police, all the Watertown PD, the Coast Guard bomb squads, and the and Navy EOD door to door. And they found him at a place they had already searched. Is that right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like wow. he was, he was under a tarp in a boat in the backyard of the house that they had already searched. Wow. Um, and the boat was already had like bullet. They got caught because after they searched everything left and moved on, the owner went into his backyard to clean up the mess they made and got concerned about like, he's like, why is there a blood puddle under my fishing boat? <laughs> <laughs> 
and the owner found him, called him in. They came back, and then, you know, 1,200 rounds of ammunition being discharged in that firefight, and he was only shot six times. Wow. I had no idea that was – wow. Wow. So, yeah, the gross display of incompetence of Boston PD, but, you know, the, the headlines the next day were heroes. Right. That's right, all right, that matters. Right, 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 right. uh, not to mention right. the fact the CIA dropped the ball and they had been investigating his brother two weeks prior to that in the first place. But <laughs> wow, wow, you tell me I don't I don't want to hear these things, Justin. I feel worse already. Yeah, no, the oh older Jarnayev brother, the Boston Marathon bombing, the older brother who had planned the whole thing was yeah. in uh, NSA custody and FBI custody for questioning two weeks prior to the bombing, and they let him go. Mm. wow so wow. you want to talk conspiracy theories we have those for days but that's not why we're here we know massachusetts can't be saved because they don't want to be um and we've even seen the freedom fighters and the people who care in massachusetts have kind of stepped aside and given up and moved away but new york is still fighting you're still trying still pushing um and you have these issues going on now aside from the corruption which unless you win and manage to just indict the entire state government, including the entire prosecutor's office and attorney general's <laughs> office, uh, probably won't go away. Like, what are the issues that you're trying to reach voters on? Like, what are the issues that you're trying to get people to say enough with this crappy system? Cause if there's a Republican running, they're not a real choice, but the voter doesn't Correct. know that yet. Well, I think uh, many voters do not all do right. The, 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 the problem is, in, in my state is that most people are giving up, right? That's the biggest issue. Right. Um, the we're, We've lost, what, 2 million New Yorkers, give or take, in the last 10 years or so? A little bit, little bit more? Maybe I two joked, and a half million? I joked that Larry Sharp is one of my favorite recruiters for the Free State Project because so, there has been a number of people who yep. moved to New, New Hampshire who have told me in the past few years, yeah, I learned about libertarianism from Larry Sharp. And then yep. I wound the LP and then I found the free state project. And then I just fucking moved. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so how, yes. you're on, you're uh, unfortunately driving your voting base into my district. So <laughs> if I got to drive them somewhere, I'd rather drive them to you. That's right. all I'm saying. Rather <laughs> drive them to you. Look, the reality of it is it's, it's our fault in New York state for being a terrible state, right? It's our mm -hmm. fault. Uh, we're so oppressive. We literally break up families. It's what we do. That's that's our skill set. I wish we were bad at that. I wish nobody was coming to your state. I wish they were all staying in mine. I wish you'd be coming to me and New York State would become the Free State Project. That'd be amazing. But that's not the way things are, right? I, I'm also realistic in that regard, right? The, the reality of it is um, most people are surrendering and giving up. A big, a big issue in New York State is people just waiting for the thing to happen to make them move. They are waiting for the uh you know, their kid to graduate high school to, they're ready to retire they're waiting for their elderly parent to pass away and then they pack up and they go someplace else that's what's happening in new york all over the place we have to change that one of those things believe it or not is just the idea of taxation now most new yorkers this will drive many of your your listeners crazy are totally fine with taxes they don't have a problem with taxes at all i think they most totally people fine are it's not just yep. New York. I think most people are. I think libertarians yep. actually are an intellectual and academic minority in that respect. Yep. And acting like people hate taxes as much as we do is a big kind of uh, – it, it's a fatal conceit of libertarianism, acting yes. like our ideas are sh shared values amongst humanity that they haven't just come around to yet. So what I talk about often is here is how you still get services without taxes. And that they listen because they actually don't want taxes, but they do want services, right? right. People do want they they want it, they want a safety net, they want services, they do want it. And I go fall back to Bastia, which is just because I don't want the government to do it doesn't mean I want it, don't want it to be done. I just I, don't want the government doing it. I think there is a distinction about what taxes people find reprehensible, though. Also um, like, true. Because like when I have these discussions with people, it's it's if we talk about an income tax, which we don't have in New Hampshire, um, but people are often talking about how they're willing to trade some things for a moderate income tax or yep. a sales tax. Like even libertarians think a sales tax would be appropriate or a consumption tax at some level uh, yep. a, a, on some degrees of the spectrum think it'd be inappropriate. But the moment I bring up property tax, even liberals and Democrats, it's awful. It's reprehensible and you shouldn't <laughs> be forced because the reality is 
nobody can deny the evil of property tax when their grandparents are getting evicted by the city for failure to pay. Sure. Right. Yes. Right. When they, when they see that happen to them, I agree. So you brought up an important point. So what I talk about is ways of raising money without taxation. One of them I bring up, which is a popular one from last year. I'll give you my last one and my, my yeah. one I did last time and then one I have this time. One of my last time was the idea of, of leasing out naming rights to <laughs> to um infrastructure, right? So Nicholas Wildstar lease... says you stole it from him, though. And I oh, think good, right? liberta good libertarians always steal good ideas. I hope so. I'll give him the credit. No worries. <laughs> so yes, fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the idea of, of doing that, right? So now we we name a bridge something, it passes hundred million dollars a year. They take care of the maintenance. We still inspect it and own the property, right? The, the government still owns the, the the piece because New York is not prepared to privatize at all. That is not going to happen in New York State. If you say the word privatize, they won't even <laughs> listen to you. They will shut you off right away. Right. So we'll, we retain the the state retains the, the actual asset, but we just lease the naming rights out and they take care of maintenance. So that means um, no government contracts. So you you're getting rid of corruption of some corruption, right? Because I'm not giving out government contracts. The, the company is, not the government. So some of that government grift goes away, right? You can If you want to grift in your own company, that's on you, not on us taxpayers, right? Second piece, no need, for, no need for tolls. So the average driver doesn't have to pay tolls anymore, which is awesome, right? In New York City, that's usually the poor or the middle, or the middle class that are paying those off tolls. Those are gone. And owner-operated trucks, we're paying by Axle. So all that goes away. And now we raise money to pay for things like the MTA. But there's something else. In the MTA, when it comes to the, 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 the subway system, at night, they only run trains every every two or three trains. Why isn't every other train a freight train, bringing freight into New York City instead? Well, the response I get all the time is, hey, wait a minute, Larry, the, 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 tra the trains can't work because it's different trains. You're right, which means that now Amazon and FedEx and Google and UPS will have to rebuild the MTA system. And they will. <laughs> and they'll do it so they can well, name rights on each of these spaces. They'll bring their stuff in. As they're bringing their freight in, we get a whole new system. They're paying for a new system. We're not paying for it. They are. And then now they're paying for bridges and tunnels, whatever the case may be, GM and, and 3M and all that. They're paying for the bridges and tunnels. And we're getting a cheaper, better, faster system with less trucks on the road in Manhattan and in the city with, with easier freight and literally less wear and tear on the roads. It's win, win, win. And the big companies pay more, which the left wants, but there's no taxes, which the right wants. So both get what they want and we get a brand new system, cheaper, win, 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 no extra taxes. Amazon might not even give a rat's ass about the naming rights. If you no, tell them that they can build a direct line from uh, the pier in Hoboken to inner city uh, New York with the freight train. like Absolutely. Yes, that's my point. And people go, Larry, that's billions of dollars. The marketing budget of just Amazon is $10 billion. The marketing budget. Right. So that means that goes into the marketing budget. No one pays extra fees or fines. It's just they go, oh, we were spending a billion on this. We'll put two billion into this New York City thing this year. And right. then you have 3M do that and Facebook do that and whoever do that and GM do that. And all of a sudden you got $10 billion in New York City fixing the damn thing. Done deal. Domino's was spending money to fill potholes in rural mm -hmm. towns across the country, not Absolutely. putting their names on them just because they did the math and found out that their drivers were faster without potholes and it made them more money than it cost to fix the potholes to fix them. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> yes. So a hundred percent. So we can find ways. So I think that's an issue that we want to work on here in New York, that type of way of raising money, um, the left wants big, big players to pay more and the right doesn't want more taxes. We can do both. We can keep both happy and still have good services and still people can still have bridges to cross and safe roads and an MTA it can still exist. And once you begin to change that mindset, then New Yorkers start going, huh, maybe it's not always the same way of just give it more money, right? A whole different issue. But the second thing I want to, I'm talking about, which is my newer one, is creating what I call the NIST, the NYSST. It's the New York State Social Trust. We're going to create a trust, which is similar to what they have in Singapore, similar to what they have in Norway, where the trust will help pay for other things, right? New York State has an insanely bloated budget with a bunch of people who are, who are accustomed to getting what they want. That's how New York State works right now. New York State, Florida has more people than New York State. And New York State has double the budget. And Florida has no state income tax. We're doing something wrong here in New York. They have more people, no state income tax, and we have double the budget. 
and I people mean, are still leaving our state and they're going to Florida. So Florida is gaining Congress people. We're losing Congress people and we have double the budget. We're doing something wrong. Florida's right? not doing everything right either. I, I, there's something to be said about your infrastructure projects actually benefiting your people, like the people whose taxes and whose money and whose livelihoods are being disrupted to build an infrastructure project should directly benefit from that. And I, I remember a few months ago when I had Martha Bueno on, she was talking about one of the big, big issues in Miami-Dade County specifically is the county using a bunch of tax money to build this new cruise ship terminal because they're like, it's going to bring in so much money and jobs uh, to Miami-Dade. And the reality is a cruise ship terminal, yeah, it's going to bring in a bunch of money and jobs to people who don't live in Miami, to people who are flying yep. in to Agreed. work on the ship, to work the terminal, who are, yep. who are going to directly benefit from somebody else's expense. Which is why I say if you have these yeah. companies build it, that's no longer a problem. Right. Right, you're right. But, but if I'm having the company... Right, right, whatever, 3M like or whatever. If Carnival wanted to build their own cruise ship terminal and was incentivized to do so, let them do it. Absolutely. Then why do I care where you get the workers from? I hope right. that I have an environment to where I'm 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 positive, I'm I'm very friendly to business where they want to use my workers. I hope right. I do that, right? That I create an environment to where my workers are the best trained and the best workers they want to use. I hope that's true. But if I'm if they're building it, it's their money, not taxpayer money. That's my whole right. point, right? In my, my plan I mentioned. It's not taxpayer money. So if they don't use local people, that would suck. I'd like to find a way of making them do that, right? Maybe it's in part of a contractual agreement where a certain percentage should be New York state workers or something like that. I'm fine with some you know, idea on how that might work, whatever. Or we could even negotiate for it, right? Hey, who wants the rights? You're going to pay 100 million. You're going to pay 90 million, but provide X jobs with New Yorkers. Uh, whatever, whatever the contract is, I'm fine with that. We can, we can come up with that sure. issue, whatever you like. So. Yes, that's that's the that's the, that's the biggest piece. I, I think the, the second, problem you have is like convincing companies and brands right now that because it is such a radical shift from the subsidy culture they're used to. They're used to being subsidized. They're used to a correct. government saying, "Come here, come here, come here. We'll pay you to do it. We'll subsidize your employment costs." I remember when Amazon was doing the a, Amazon HQ two bids, and they were asking every state, "How? What do you give us to locate there?" Yep. And one of the best actual bids, one of the bids that would have made the most sense for Amazon was New Hampshire's. Uh, Governor Sununu submitted a bid. He's like, here's all this real estate. You can build your campus there. It directly abuts the airport. The airport has a extra terminal that was built but hasn't seen the volume needed. So we'll let you dedicate that entire terminal to your shipping and receiving from the airport. And you're less than an hour from Boston uh, for the tech jobs. Uh, for the tech, uh, tech students in the Boston education market. Like, it's perfect. And by the way, no income tax, no sales tax, which prior to the Wayfair decision also meant no sales tax on anything you ship out of there wow. um, either. Um, and we're going to give you the exact same benefit every New Hampshire citizen has. No corporate income tax. <laughs> but Amazon went with a more expensive option because the corporate heads couldn't see that just because New Hampshire wasn't subsidizing them didn't mean that after all the subsidies elsewhere, they were still spending more. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. The, the, and there's a reason why people often say, Larry, why is that way? And here's the reason. It's patronage and cronyism, right? If I have Amazon give me money to show up to my area, I don't get to hand out jobs, right? Right. But if instead I say we'll pay for X or Y or do Z, well, now I have taxpayer money. I can use taxpayer money to hand out contracts to my cronies. That's what we just did this in, in New York, right? New York, we're now yeah. we're giving for the Buffalo Bills, we're giving the Buffalo Bills $850 million in building out their yeah. new stadium. It's a $1.6 billion um, uh, cost. We're paying $850, uh, $850 million of it. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. We're paying $850 million. Why does New York State want to pay $850 million literally to millionaires and billionaires? The players are all millionaires. The owners are all billionaires, yep. right? To make them make more money. Why? Because our I governor can... wants to be able to hand out those job contracts to her friends. That's the reason why. I think of every stadium project that's been tax funded in my lifetime that I've been aware of, only three have ever made sense. And I can name all three, which have made sense. And it's the ongoing renovations at Lambeau Field, 
Because the city of Green Bay owns the field. The city right. of Green Bay owns the team and profits right. from its involvement in the league. That makes sense. That's a municipal operation, and it's a profitable one that subsidizes the heck out of the rest of the city's operations. Sure. Um, the new stadium the Raiders built in Vegas, the Raiders didn't build it. The Raiders begged the city of Las Vegas to build it for them. Okay. And the city of Las Vegas spent billions of dollars to build this huge, luxurious stadium that the Raiders lease yearly from the city of Las oh, Vegas. Oh, I see. And the city of Las Vegas gets a cut of every ticket sold. And the city, and because it's in Vegas, and as Vegas does, they put books in the stadium so people can bet on the games during the sure. game. The city of, of Las Vegas gets a cut of every bet. Right. They've almost paid off that stadium in three years. Sure, sure, sure. Makes Just sense. on the profits and revenue. And the only other one that makes sense was a fluke. And then when the New England Patriots built Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, it should not have benefited the people of Massachusetts. Bob Kraft threatened the state of Massachusetts and said, if you don't build me a new stadium, I'm moving to Connecticut. And I'm taking the team to Connecticut. At that time, apparently the Patriots and Bob Kraft, with his CEO salary from the Kraft Group, apparently accounted for a significant portion of the state of Massachusetts budget oh. with their income taxes. I see. Okay. And so they caved to build the stadium for them. Um, and this is at a point in time where the Patriots were the worst team in the league. They didn't sell out games. The stadium was half empty for every game. Nobody went to games. And they're like, we're going to spend a billion dollars on a stadium in the middle of nowhere. It's not in a city right. for no benefit. Um, turns out they got lucky. They drafted Tom Brady, went on a 20 year winning streak. And yeah, <laughs> uh, right, made right. right tens of billions of dollars back and expanded that. Now there's a big mall and a complex and hotels and a casino all right. around the stadium. And they've gotten tens of thousands of jobs out of it, but that was unpredictable. And I still say it was a bad idea for Massachusetts to case. <laughs> well, the, the, the problem is what's the incentive, right? The incentive right. is for the leader to hand out jobs, right? That's how they get union backing. That's how they get, you know, worker backing. That's how they get police backing. That's how they get big corporate donors, right? That's, that's one of the reasons why, by the way, my Lieutenant governor is going to jail because he basically was able to find a way, uh, which is I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in this one because of how New York state works. New York state usually does this. They say, Hey, Justin, I need you to, you know, give me a donation of $40,000 to my campaign. And you basically go, great. But look, I need to be on um, a board. I go, great, I'll get you on a board. I get you on a board, you give me $40,000. Nope. That board is what decides who gets what jobs. So now you <laughs> give your job. That's how Western New York State works. Nope. So that board then decides, oh, we're going to give this job to this construction company. That's your brother, cousin, sister, friend, whatever. You make a bunch of money off that. You get kickbacks. That's how New York does business. Now, I'm not saying it's ethical. I'm saying that's how it works. How do I know that? Because our people keep going to jail for it, and their defense is always the same defense. Same defense. Defense is, well, everybody does it. Why am I going to jail? Everybody does it. That's their defense. It, it doesn't really work. But the problem is why some people don't go get prosecuted is because if they get prosecuted, they'll have to go on a stand and tell everybody how Who's everybody does the same thing. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm not even convinced it should be illegal. Uh, it just maybe the government shouldn't be allowed to do it. Like, let's be honest, corporate cronyism is as old as corporations themselves. And yep. they've succeeded over hundreds of years for a reason. Um, well, I, there's a part of me that agrees with you, right? I would say yeah. that if it was 100% transparent and we knew, sure. if I literally go, hey, I'm going to get, and I got to tell you, my mayor actually did this. And this is funny. This, this goes up how it's so common. The press started beating up my, my new mayor, Eric Adams, for giving jobs to his friends. And he literally said, he got up in the press and said, why are you guys mad? Every mayor gives jobs to their friends. Now I give jobs <laughs> to my friends, you're mad at me? We've been doing it. No, yes, I'm giving jobs to my friends. He was open and I was like, all right, hey, to your point, I was like, at least he's being honest about it. He's not hiding it. He's giving jobs to his friends, okay. Well, how it's about, how about okay. taking it a step further? How about taking it a step further? Um, what Florida Florida has done with Disney, 
which is somehow actually just straight up legal. It's not even corrupt. It's not even legal. They created a special governing district where Disney is in Florida, where the board of directors of Disney gets to appoint the mayor, appoint the police chief. There are no elections. They are the government, and they can levy taxes. They can prosecute crime. Um, they have their own judicial district. Um, wow. That is Disney in Florida. And like right now with all the big uh, Disney protesting the don't say gay bill in Florida and getting political all of a sudden, DeSantis is threatening to revoke their special district. Uh, but like, what what about taking it that even a step further, telling Amazon, we have all this empty land in the outskirts in upstate New York. You want to build a campus? You can have the town. It's You're responsible Amazon. for all of the infrastructure, 100%. It's called Amatown. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's uh, called. At what point Amatown, does that just become a company town? Like we have a history of company towns in the U.S. being a bad thing. Like yeah, how... this, this has this. We don't have a good history of company towns. That's right. That has not gone well, with the exception of Disney. Um, I'm not they... sure that's going well yet. We'll find well, out. Well, it's been 60, <laughs> yes. 70 years they've been pulling it so, off. So, so I don't know. That's a, no. It's a, it's a. I don't know. It's a good question. You know, would I be next? I w as long as we're transparent, that to me is the critical piece, right? We know there's going to be some cronyism, but if you haven't, we, the problem is right now we don't have a functioning democracy, right? And particularly in New York state, everything's gerrymandered. So we know who's going to win already. There's hardly have any primaries because why bother? We know who's going to win everybody already. And so people are giving up. But if you have an actual democracy where people can actually vote to change and adjust things, then I think if it's if it's transparent, I think it's better, right? It's a much better. If you're going to be a tyrant, at least tell people you're going to be a tyrant and say why you're being a tyrant. And then people can decide, you know what? He's right for being a tyrant there. Or no, get out of there. So I guess in theory, that's true. I just don't see it actually working right now in our current environment. Because if I were to be a tyrant for some reason, I'd want to tell you why, right? The example, right. of course, is the, this, of course, is reductive, but, you know, um, there's going to be a nuclear attack, so I launch a nuclear strike without declaring war because I want to stop us from being nuked, right? That kind of thing, right? So that's that's tyrannical. I'm not. I'm just doing it, right? right. But if I tell you and I show you his, his proof, we're getting to get nuked, then you can judge me and go, Larry, that's bogus. You shouldn't have done that. You're out. You're a war criminal. Or you go, No, I get it. I'm glad you did it. You stopped <laughs> us from being nuked, right? Okay, sure. you were tyrant, but you want to be you. Whatever you do, you want to be transparent and let the people decide. Are they are they okay with your tyranny, right? Did it? Is it retroactively? This sounds kind of odd, but is it retroactively consensual, right? Or is it not, right? So uh, Jonathan Howe for Congress on YouTube makes it a point about what we were just talking about. Um, I, I think it's connected about Massachusetts used eminent domain to take the building his brother built his brewery in to build a casino. Uh, he not only left the state, left the country. That's unfortunate. Yes. I don't blame him one bit i mean he could have come north we love breweries here in new hampshire <laughs> um but when it comes to the, like these things like how much eminent domain is required like all of these stadium projects have required eminent domain yep. um if you're going to let amazon build new tunnels it's going to require some kind of eminent domain uh it's there is no open and free land in new york city to develop anymore you're going to need take some to take something that exists like at what point is eminent domain crossing the line I think you only use eminent domain in only one case mm -hmm. when if you don't use it, there is obvious harm. That's it. Sure. That's that's my only the only time you should use eminent domain is if you don't, there is obvious harm. Yeah. If you can't show me obvious harm, I don't care. No eminent domain. That's that's my sure. stance. If they're right. like, for example, some guy's getting, you know, he's got something on his on his uh, property is going to fall over and smash through your house and he won't fix it obvious damage is going to be harm if i don't do this i'm something someone's going to be harmed if i don't do this then i'm in the domain but if there isn't obvious direct harm never i think the real big issue comes down to eminent domain for private purposes like we have issues we're going to have an issue here in new hampshire i'm getting ready to fight it uh they had just passed a law to expand a section of the highway from two lanes to three lanes on a small unused highway where we don't have traffic it's my commute it's the commute i drive to work every morning there's not enough traffic to warrant expanding it um and they're going to expand it but but there's a cronious issue where someone's handing out jobs 
Well, somebody's also handing out other people's homes. There because we go. On, yes. either, on either side of that highway are yep. private properties and neighborhoods that are going to have to be demolished to expand it. Yep. And like to me, that's the issue. It's like, but that even still, like that is still legal and fine for the state to do it here in New Hampshire. Uh, we have a constitutional ban on doing what was done in Massachusetts. And I know the casino Jonathan's talking about, I've been there. It's a very nice casino. Um, unfortunate that they had to use eminent domain to build it, but it was built for private purposes. A private company came in and said, we want to build a casino here. And the state said, okay, we're stealing all this land from other people yep. so you can build your casino there. Um, and that's the product of the Kelo case and as the Supreme Court saying that that was okay in Connecticut. Yep. And and I and you're asking my opinion. It's yeah. not okay. It's so can, only okay. It's and maybe I'm too radical in eminent domain. I'm fine, but that's I where I am. No. <laughs> if unless there is obvious direct harm, no. Would but Larry, you consider? Then we can't, then we can't build the bridge. Well, then I guess we don't build the bridge. Then. What do you think it would take to get like a constitutional amendment that banned? Even even just in New York level, not not even going federal. I, I know what it took. It took a lightning being caught in a bottle to get it to ban it in new hampshire um and it was perfect set of circumstances and everything moving exactly in the right direction what do you think it would take in new york to ban eminent domain for private use um at the moment it's impossible because again we are we are such a grifty state this is how we do this is our normal business eminent domain is the normal way we do things right now right Again, you know where I stand on this. So why would anyone so, want to invest in property in New York if it's up for grabs? Because they don't know it. The average New Yorker doesn't even know what eminent domain is. They don't even know what it is. They have they no idea. The ad- they do know that, yes. But they have no idea what eminent domain is. The average New Yorker doesn't even know. If I say, go, what's that? They have no idea. They don't believe that the government would take the land unless it's an emergency. They just don't believe it until it happens to them. Then all of a sudden they go, oh, my God, the government can do this? Yeah, and just for whatever it wants. So while I agree with you, it has to end. I'm not sure New York State is anywhere near ready for it. That would take a campaign of at least a couple of years just to get the people to understand how bad it is. The the people don't understand how bad it is. And I've not seen anybody replicate this, but I'd love to see somebody try and replicate it. Um, To me, it's one of the greatest successes the Libertarian Party has ever had, and the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire specifically. And this was back during the Kelo case when Justice Souter on the Supreme Court was the swing vote. Everyone knew how everyone else was going to vote. It came down to him. And when he voted in favor of allowing uh, New London to take the Kelo house and take the pink house and proceed with eminent domain uh jean babyars the chair of lpnh at the time immediately went and filed an eminent domain claim on justice Souter's ranch in epping new hampshire <laughs> to build the lost liberty resort and hotel <laughs> and in response the governor called an emergency session of the state legislature and they passed a constitutional amendment that night prohibiting private eminent domain wow Look at that. That is that's good. Yes. No, I mean I I maybe I you have to go up to the mayor's house. Show. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it it'd be tough. Again, when you have a state that's as corrupt as mine, that's the way right. we do business. Changing that environment's very hard. Not impossible. I think we have to work on it, but it could be done, but not overnight. Unless again, lightning in a bottle strikes. I mean, if, if right. that happens, I would obviously take the advantage and do it. Obviously, I would. But I wouldn't be waiting for that. I think we have we have to. Most people don't understand how bad and how hard the government actually is. They just well, don't believe it. I think you struck the court when you say most people don't know what eminent domain is. I think no idea. Most people don't know what many of the biggest problems of government are. Most 100%. people don't know what the problems that affect their daily life are. They they yep. know that they know that the train's not running on time, so they're late for work, uh, and yep. they're they're getting in trouble and written up, and they're losing vacation time and bonuses because of it, and that's affecting their ability to pay their kids tuition and feed their family. Like yep. that's what they know, and it's tangible for them to know that they don't know that some corporation that ten years ago bribed a union steward, uh, who then right. got elected to a city alderman, and right. owes them a favor, and it happens to be they want to build a development in that neighborhood. Well, the funny thing you bring up is, you know, I, in my day job, when I used to work, now I don't, I do this now, but when I used to do, when I, when I used to work, um, before the governor told me I was non-essential, 
Um, I do a lot of training and coaching and teaching, a lot of it, right? And some of it is with actual, you know, New York City agencies. And one of them, I'm, I'm in one um, class, and I ask a guy about this idea in um, New York where you can landmark your property if you want to, right? In right. New York City, you can say, you know, well, my property is landmarked and I because I want to make sure that it, it, it stays the same, historical, blah, 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 blah. I can do that. What happens and if your property your taxes there? I'm sorry. If, it, if it's historical, do your property taxes go through the roof? Oh no, not at all. Okay. No, not at all. No, no, not at all. So, so you can do it if you want to. And if it's your property and you want to landmark it, I don't have a problem with that. It's your property, landmark it if you want to. No worries. The problem is your community can landmark it for you, <laughs> and it's your property. Now that's the problem, right? So your community can go, well, that's historical. I want to landmark. So what happens is people who like the old look of the neighborhood start landmarking the entire neighborhood. Now, here's the problem when you brought up perfectly. So now I landmark your property, Justin, and yep. you want to make changes to your property. The community has to agree or you may not. So now, but you're still, you have to pay all your taxes. You're still, if there's fines and fees, you still pay them. Nothing but a problem. So I went to the guy who worked actually with the Department of Buildings and I said, hey, I got a question here. Um, How is this landmarking someone else's property okay? He said, Larry, you don't understand. It's the same law we use when it comes to condemning a property. And I said, you know what? I actually get the condemn piece because in New York right. City, if a property is condemned and it falls down, well, then you can kill thousands of people. I see harm in that. I get that. In that case, I'm totally fine. If the building's going to fall down and hurt people, okay, you can condemn it. Makes sense. I said, but in landmarking, where is the victim? He said, no, 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 Larry, you don't understand. It's the same law we use for condemning. I said, I know it's the same law. What I'm asking you is, Why? where is the victim in this, right? How, who's, uh, who's dying? Who's being hurt? And he just repeated it. In his mind, if you can find a law, it is okay by default. It doesn't matter if it makes any sense if there's a victim or anything. And I think a lot of people say, well, it's the government and they, you know, it's eminent domain, it's the law, so it's okay. And this is the part that drives me crazy. Just because it's a law doesn't mean it's a good idea. Just because it's a law doesn't mean it's even just or kind or right. It doesn't. Well, and it, this is a perfect example of that. It brings up a whole other, because if I wanted to jump through the mental gymnastics about who's the victim here, if I want to do renovations on my property and bring it up to not just code, but I don't like the exterior, I want it to look a little bit different, um, will that affect my neighbor's property value? And it will me changing the appearance of the whole neighborhood based on my house standing out affect everyone else's property value. I can do those mental gymnastics. I can make the argument that me changing my property without the consent of my neighbors affected them in a negative mm -hmm. manner. At what point does my, my right to do what I want with my property get stopped? At, at what point does somebody, if, else, if if that's you a know, mental. Nope. <laughs> if you know what I said, I said, yep obvious harm that's well, obvious financial harm it may not be how can you get is that's not obvious you might sure. make your 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 place different and they all go oh my god let's all do this and the property value goes up that's not obvious that's i'm afraid of i'm afraid of is not obvious sure. right you say i'm gonna build you know a uh, a big a big a big um uh uh a satellite dish on the top of my apartment that is gonna literally block out the sun of four, you know, homes. That's obvious harm. I'm blocking out the sun on four homes. Obvious harm, you can't do that. But I want to make my house look a certain way. That might hurt, that might not. That's not obvious. Uh, it's really unfortunate because, like, there, I, I've seen the arguments, and it, it reminds me of a conversation I was having with Magnus Penn video a while back about the nimbyism of libertarianism. Yeah. And, it, like, and it comes down to, like, my property, my property, my property. But at some point, it's my property is also my community. Yes, and agreed. like, and like, there's a lot of uh, like kind of self embodied ignorance that libertarians do hold, and that we don't hold ourselves accountable for, and we don't hold each yes. other accountable for. Agreed. About how our desire to express our own rights is sometimes at the expense of others yep. in intangible ways that might not be able to be expressed and be delivered. And that comes off as we're the selfish assholes. And yes. a lot of people defend libertarianism with Randian philosophy. And I'm not a fan of Ayn Rand. I'm not a fan of objectivism, but it's an object, it's a, a philosophy that says being a selfish asshole is okay. And in fact, it's a good thing. And when we're dealing with the average person, 
who's not a libertarian, who's not an objectivist, who doesn't believe being a selfish asshole is a good thing. The normies. Yeah, right. And we just try and logic our way around it. And to what we said at the beginning of the show, like not everybody thinks taxes are bad. Correct. Because, and I I think this is a point Jeremy Kaufman has made that I've really come around to, because I used to be really big on the, we can convince everyone of libertarianism. I don't think we can convince everyone of libertarianism because I I agree with you. Like coming down to libertarianism, it's not just about logic. It's about a system of morals and values that people just simply don't share. No, it's um, a, no, I, I disagree. It's about emotion. Right? Sure. When, when we agree on the outcome, number one, on the outcome, now people will hear us. If you just go school choice, <laughs> no, but that now people are mad. If you instead said, how do we get better schools? They go, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's have a conversation now. Right. So you got to you have to agree upon the goal. Sure. That's number one. And there's got to be an emotion, as you, you've, you've talked about this before, right? Yep. People don't care how much you know as they know how much you care. So you've got to show that emotion first before anything else. Otherwise, they don't hear you. So I, I disagree that you, you can't move them with your policy. You can. You have to first say, well, number one, here's the outcome. And then second piece, understand what you just said. Not everybody wants to be free. Right. So allow them to not be free. Don't belittle them or get angry at them because they don't want to be free. Just show them that they cannot be free while you're being free and you can all get stuff you like. Now that's challenging, but that's why I spend literally hours every week on policy to create policies like the one I talked about, which means you get your free bridge and we don't have to tax people. You get what you want. I get what I want. Win, win, win. Yes, absolutely. Hopefully people can see it that way. Hopefully people can get the message and get it across. Um, I've I've bounced back and forth between the black and white pill so hard in the past six years (laughs) being involved in the liberty movement uh, where like, I I remember like, I, I used to complain a lot that the liberty movement and the libertarian party lacked for people with social and sales skills. And I, I used to say it was based on how people came to the liberty movement. And I had this weird theory that the vast majority of people in the libertarian party read their way there. They got there by reading books and connecting dots and <laughs> landed yes. at a convention in some backwater bar. And like, what, what is this? These people agree with me. I'm here now. Um, but very, very few people came from a perspective of like emotion to get to libertarian values and but there's people like me where like my background was military and then sales like i I came from a background of being an agent of the state i worked in law enforcement i worked in the military to then working in sales and communicating ideas and selling things people like you with the same background military and then coaching and teaching like the ability to communicate those things is very rare and difficult within the libertarian party and I joke with people like I, I wrote a book four years ago. It came it actually four years ago today. The book published, and I remember when I asked you for feedback and everything when I was first starting it. And a lot of what I've written in that book, I just think I had a fundamentally naive understanding of how to communicate these ideas that it needs to go back and be completely redone at this point, just based on what I've learned. I love inside it. it in the past four years from people like you, um, from people like Adam Kakesh and uh, Reed Coverdale and Dave Smith and others who've changed my understanding of what it is to communicate uh, by communicating the most difficult thing in the world, your own freedom. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I agree. Time for 2.0, my friend, 2.0. It's going to be great. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for coming on. It has been phenomenal, fantastic. Everybody, check out Larry, LarrySharp.com. Larry, running for governor, give your elevator pitch real quick. Why should people go? Why should people donate? How can they help? Because what happens in New York is going to come to your state. That's why. we, I am and the front lines. Every single time government moves forward, it moves forward against its people here in New York State. If it gets away with it, it's coming to your state. It might take five years. It might take 10 years, it might take 20 years, but it's coming to your state. I'm on the battleground right now. My congressperson is AOC. Literally, <laughs> I am on the battleground, front lines. So you should be helping me out. If you can help out with volunteering, lottershop.com slash volunteer. We're doing petitioning. I'd love to have some of you down here in New York State, April 19th to March 24th. Come on down. Give me some help petitioning. 
If you can't help petitioning, no worries. I need policy people. You can write white papers. We talk about policies. I need people who can help me write policy. That's important. Also, you can help me on social media. Help me on that. So policy, social media, or petitioning, help me out. I need your volunteers. I need them now. LottoShop.com slash volunteer. If you can't do any of that because you're too busy, no worries. Give me some money. I need money so I can do ads, so I can get uh, door knockers, door hangers, all those things. So go to donate and give whatever you can give. And I take Bitcoin. <laughs> all right. Hey, everybody, check it out. LarrySharp.com. Thank you for coming back, Larry. As always, been fantastic. And until next time, everybody, be free. Thanks again for tuning in and joining us tonight. Make sure you hit that like button and leave a comment below to let us know your thoughts. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and hit that big red subscribe button on YouTube and turn on notifications to get alerted every time we go live. If you enjoyed this content, you can join our production team on Patreon by following the link in the description. And don't forget to follow on social media and join our community Discord channel by following the links in the description as well. The best part of all of this is the community that we're building and growing. So go ahead and join us. And thanks once again to our awesome sponsors and patrons for making all of this possible. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always catch it the next day on YouTube, Odyssey, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. So until next time, everybody, be free.